0: I'm sorry I'm sorry Anakin I am not your failure Obi-Wan you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker I did
1: well, the conflict between good and evil is the basic conflict. The universal question is, am I a good person? You're saying, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Now, through mythology and things, we're taught certain things that are good and certain things that are bad. But uh, a thinking person questions all that and say, is this really good? Am I really doing the right thing here? Am I really being a kind, compassionate person? Because to me, that's really about A compassionate person as opposed to a person that is consumed with self-interest or a selfish
0: person we all have good and evil in us because we have the selfish side of us and we have the compassionate side of us the idea is how do you keep those things in balance and by keeping those things in balance you can do a lot of good things you failed your highness i am a jedi like my father before me
1: everywhere welcome to episode number three hundred and eighteen of blast points this is jason and Escape and you know it this week we are talking about the season finale of obi-wan kenobi the it, the the wording on disney plus changed from series finale to season finale and good lord let's just play the music let's just play the intro so we can get going on this thing <laughs>
0: Take a deep breath he was the one, oh, he Hello there Hello there Hello, Hello there. there
1: Okay, so overall Gabe, the finale The series as a whole This episode how are, what, are you, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling here? I know I got a little grumpy there in the middle and, uh, with this, with the show overall, but man, by the end, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's stolen my heart. This show is really good. And, uh, it's, it's got it where it counts. And these last two episodes have just been insane. And this last one even more so just that it does so much. It was like, we were worried, How are they going to wrap this all up in one episode? And they packed it all in. It's like the, I feel like I was watching the, the end of the return of the King or return. What's the Lord of the Rings movie? Return Return of the King. Yeah. The last one, return of the King. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Return of the King. Where it's like, this is the last one. We're going to have the, like the ending for everybody. And it's like Kenobi has like five different endings with him in it. And we just, you know, I don't know. There's so much good stuff. I can barely even talk still. It's, yeah, this episode messed me up in all the best ways and it feels like it's been a month since it came out and and it's only been like, what, a day since it came out that we're recording this? It's just like there's so much. I lived an entire lifetime in that episode. This show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, when the Disney sale happened, I think we talked about this before, but when it was announced that They were going to make three more movies. There was always the talk of, wouldn't it be great if Ewan McGregor came back as Obi-Wan Kenobi and did a movie? Because no one could even fathom the idea of a Star Wars TV show at that time. And for me, it was always like, that's, that's what I want. He's the right age in that story of watching over Luke. But it was always the thing of like, yeah, that would be so great. But what's the story? Like, is it just him watching over Luke? I think we used to talk about would it just be him sitting in a cave talking to Qui-Gon, learning about weird force stuff. You can't make a movie or a show about that. But this show and kind of the the surprising way that they pulled off this show – it's some of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars it's talking about the themes that i love to think about and talk about with Star Wars it's the original trilogy it's the prequel trilogy it's the prequel renaissance like we talked about last week it's i don't it was just hitting my sweet spot this whole show it was everything that I was hoping that a story talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi in between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope could be. For me, it it absolutely delivered on every single level. And the way it all started, too, with Celebration, the whole kickoff to the show, the premiere, everything, and the way this show has had a grip on our lives for the past month... (laughs) I'm looking forward to getting some sleep, getting some rest, but I'm also, I'm going to miss just the level of intensity that Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show has given us for the past month because I, yeah, it's, it's just been incredible. It's just been a wild, fun, crazy ride. You no, know, it really did like slowly ramp up the intensity over each episode to where it's hard to imagine now seeing the sixth episode, how far it's come from the first episode, like And the fact that if there weren't six episodes to kind of slowly build up to this point, would the sixth episode have been as intense as it it was? If they would have just jumped right into this episode, I don't think it would have worked as well as as having all that just anticipation for literally, yeah, for a month of slowly getting to this point. And even as much as I wanted to see Hayden back, you know, in every episode, the fact that we had to go so long before we got – just the, the glimpse of his his face in in the uh, in the distance, and then all of a sudden, then we get you know a flashback to him, and then all of a sudden in this episode, getting the you know the full on Vader reveal stuff. It's just like I don't know. It was yeah, it was intense. And I just keep thinking too that like the best kind of Star Wars stories. After watching Obi Wan Kenobi the show, you're never going to look at either the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy, the same way again. The way they develop the characters over this show, it reflects on both of them in huge ways. And and the sequel trilogy. I mean, not forgetting about the sequel trilogy either. It's just, it ripples throughout the entire saga, the events that take place in this show. And I love that. I love going back and looking at these things that we're so familiar with. In, in new light with new information. And and it's all based around character. And I think that's the thing that now that the show is done, that it's become more clear that Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show, more so than any kind of Star Wars story we've gotten before, has been more character-focused than anything. It's It's been an in-depth character study of you know of course mostly obi-wan kenobi but all the relationships around him in this show and that's again like we said in in one of our earlier recaps it's different flavors they did something different with this show in a way of telling the story but i i i, I really dig it yeah and it was different because it was kind of one really long story too it wasn't so much an ep- uh you know a story of the week that all kind of ties together. And I keep thinking like, you know, could the Kenobi series have worked as a two or three hour long movie? And I think you could have probably made a pretty good movie by kind of trimming it down. But on the other hand, I think there is definitely something about it being able to kind of take its time and really, like we said, just kind of build over these six episodes and, give you the extra time to do a lot of like the character kind of stuff because you're not really trying. It's never really trying to move the plot along. It's really just kind of, you're just kind of hanging out with Obi-Wan and and seeing how he's feeling really. And watching just kind of how he's dealing with all of the, uh, all the trauma from the prequels, really from the beginning to where he kind of ends up at the end and kind of able to let all of that go and finally kind of move towards the future. And I think that's why I appreciate this show and the fact that we can have these long form star Wars stories. Now that's the thing too. Like if there was an Obi-Wan movie, which originally way back this started as that growth from Obi-Wan where he had to have been after the events of revenge of the Sith to the Alec Guinness character being able to get there in two hours. I don't, I could have felt rushed and that would be like the worst thing ever to have like a rushed kind of emotional journey for such a vital character. And I, and I, I totally believe the emotional growth of his character and what happens in this story. And That's the story of the show. Yeah, Obi-Wan's emotional journey from being this traumatized, sad kind of individual in the desert who, you know, is like, everything is lost, we lost, you know, bury your lightsaber in the sand, it's done, to kind of being this character at the end who's just full of hope and excitement for the future, really, just a complete refocus of what's important to him. And I just think that is so, so cool. I'm on a hundred percent down with it. and Ewan McGregor was so good in the series too, like it was kind of like just him showing off. Like <laughs> Just look at my face. Every episode, look at my face. Look how good my face is. And, you know, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get to just dwell on his face. As much if, it, if they were trying to, you know, cram it into a normal, you know, faster and more intense kind of Star Wars two-hour movie. Because I was just thinking, like, with the, this week's episode, like, you know, how would you even fit all of that in, in a two-hour movie? That would have been half the movie would have been just everything that was in this week. Well, we have got a lot to go over. We got some deep thoughts to go over. We got some breakdowns to go over. We got a lot of things for number 318 here. But first... I know you all want to hear about it. We got to talk about Baru. Owen
0: oh, can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. Luke is not a farmer owner. He has too much of his
1: father in him. There were a lot of... Moments in this episode where I was like, they're not going to do it, are they? It's not going to happen. But all of them ended up with, yes, they're going to do it. And yes, it's going to happen. And the first one was, yeah. Baru is here. The Baru crew showed up and we got Baru action. Action Baru. Just Baru taking charge, not messing around. Again, it was like the Trandoshan. Family putting their heads together, and a couple weeks ago or whatever that was, where I was just sitting on the couch. Yes, with Baru kind of throwing a space rifle at Owen and being like, "We got, we got to do this." Yeah, you thought Owen was tough. Well, he's nothing compared to Baru. Whatever she's like, "We're enough, you and me. <laughs> Let's get the guns out of our gun hole here. We have them hidden." I couldn't believe it. When Reva is coming in, she she hits Owen in the leg. He falls. Maybe Cleeg's old uh, hover chair is still in the back somewhere. He might need it. But when Reva walks into that room, and brew just hardcore slaps her across the face. Slap! I, Baru should have had a ring on her finger that said Baru, so Reva could remember who who got her in the face like that. Yeah, she's just hiding around the around the corner. Yeah, surprise! Smack. And I love to when she does slap Reva. It's like, where where are the action figures with like action? Features now, where I want a Beru figure, where you like push a pin on her back and she slaps, <laughs> so she can just go around slapping every all the other action figures. So good. Bonnie's last name is Peace, but Beru's last name is War. <laughs> yeah, that's somebody. Somebody on uh, Twitter was saying cruising for that's <laughs> <laughs> and That's and in the end, too, when Kenobi comes back to the homestead, we got. Owen and Beru just standing a few f- feet from the house. Luke, 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 Luke. They, they know what people want. They know what we want to hear. Luke, Luke, Luke. Yeah, I couldn't. I was. It's <laughs> like they're really. It's like they're doing that. Is this? Is this? For, is yeah. this for us? Is yeah. this what's going they're, on? <laughs> they are on their uh, singing and the playing the greatest hits. It, you know, it's a little bit of what you know, you know Luke, and a little bit of action Baru. Just oh my god, action Baru! I is unbelievable. Yeah, Bonnie Peace, Bonnie Peace deserves everything in the world. A powerhouse performance. The the sleeper hit of this episode was Bonnie Peace, Aunt Baru, Action Baru. The slap heard around the world. The slap heard around the galaxy. Pretty much, Darth Vader could have shown up at the homestead, and Baru just slap. Mm-hmm. She would have slapped the top of the helmet right off, and then s- slapped him again on his bare skeleton face. For all we know, that's that's where the big scar on the top of his head came from. At one point, Baru slaps him. Make make Anakin Skywalker cry. Oh, why would you do
0: that? All right, I'll be right there, Aunt Peru.
1: Okay, let's talk about some of the deep stuff going on in this episode, in the show overall. One thing that I was taken away from especially this episode, but it's, it's something that is when you look at the whole series, it's been going on in a bunch of episodes. It's kind of like when in the, the intro to this episode, you heard a, a George Lucas clip talking about it. It's all kind of about that choice of who are you going to be? Are you going to be a person that acts out of compassion That Does things for the good of others, or are you going to be selfish and do things for the good of yourself? It's something we talk about all the time. It's a very Star Wars 101 kind of thing. But when you think about all the characters that are around Obi-Wan Kenobi in this show, they all in their stories or what we see or what they talk about They've all had that moment, that moment of choosing, who do I want to be? I mean, you think of Tala when she told her story when she was in the Empire with the families. You think of Roken when we first meet Roken, and he's like, what's he doing here? I don't need him here. And, and then kind of embracing Kenobi being around to the point where in this episode of the finale, he's just like, well, you can't leave. We need you here. I mean, Haja is a huge example of that where we first meet Haja in the second episode. And he's just kind of this scam artist pretending to be a Jedi. And in the end, he, he's the one that brings Leia to Alderaan. Reva, a huge example of the choice. Obi-Wan even says to her, like, in the end, like, what you do next, that's up to you. The choice is yours on how, who you want to be. But Reva makes that choice with her lightsaber up in the air with Luke passed out on the ground. I mean, and the huge one, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he makes several choices on who he wants to be throughout this series. And Leia, Leia maybe not as obvious, though, but even Leia. Well, yeah, because Leia, even at the beginning, she doesn't want to have anything to do with politics or helping others. She just wants to take her robot and hang out in the tree. And by the end, even as a 10-year-old, she's like, I want to help other people i want to make things better yeah and doing it her way like she says to bail at the end like we're gonna make some changes and she wearing tala's old holster with i love that she has lola in the holster at the end very much kind of inspired by tala and probably inspired by what she saw with roken i mean she saw like one of the cells that maybe like in rebels that later forms into what becomes the rebel alliance and it's i think Rokin's story will be so interesting down the line whenever we see his character again like what happened to this group and you just have to imagine that that kind of inspired leia obviously and and i think of in the end with obi-wan and vader i mean of course we know that obi-wan isn't going to kill Darth Vader because we see Darth Vader later in the, you know, like, because there's movies and stuff that came out in 1977. But if you pretend that that, you know, it's just, it, it's all really happening or something, Obi Wan can't kill Vader. He had the opportunity to, probably in this episode, but that that's not the Jedi way, like Obi Wan
0: says in part five. You grow too aggressive, Anakin. Be mindful. A Jedi's goal is to defend life, not take it. <laughs> ah! mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master
1: so that brings up a good question that i was thinking about from this episode because he decides to let vader live because anakin is is now dead according to to vader and obi Wan kind of comes to terms with it that his brother anakin is gone are we meant to think now that obi-wan is trying to kind of almost trick luke into he doesn't really want Luke to kill Vader, but he's just telling Luke what he needs to hear. Does Obi-Wan know more than we thought he knew about the the power of Luke's relationship with Vader? And is are we supposed to now think about how Obi-Wan's relationship with Leia kind of softened him up and is Obi-Wan thinking that Vader being around his son will do the same thing to him? I don't I I still believe that Obi-Wan, going into the original trilogy, thinks that Vader is lost. Vader killed Anakin Skywalker, like he says to Luke, and that there is no Anakin left anymore, which I think makes sense based on what Obi-Wan saw in this episode. There is still good in him. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. I can't do it, Ben. You cannot escape your destiny. You must face Darth Vader again.
0: I can't kill my own father. Then the Emperor has already won. You were our only hope.
1: You get the sense that Yoda and Obi-Wan don't necessarily know how it's all gonna go down. But then in the end, which is the the, the awesome incredible ending when it's all three of their force ghosts there on Endor looking at Luke and Luke looking at them with that exchange thing of like, you did it. I think they, that was the outcome that they probably all hoped for, but they didn't know was possible. No, So yeah, long story short, I don't think Obi-Wan knew at all. I, I think he thought Anakin was gone forever. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Cause now after this show, I think it's kind of, this is a part where it maybe has kind of changed how I think of things in the other movies, because if, Obi-Wan had the chance to kill Vader here and he didn't and he kind of showed mercy on him which makes me wonder why he would expect Luke to do what he didn't do and that maybe he didn't actually expect him to kill Vader but just knew that he at least had faith in the in the connection between the two of them and that that would be the way to get to Vader where just killing him well and just killing him wouldn't Get rid of the Emperor It's like He needed to be alive For the future Vader's purpose Isn't done And he just leaves him be Well and you think of What he says to Vader In Revenge of the Sith When they're on the hill In Mustafar
0: You were the chosen one It was said that you would Destroy the Sith Not join them Bring balance to the Force Not leave it in darkness
1: then if Anakin wasn't the chosen one And like you know, we, we said over and over again And rebels they believe Luke is They think he will destroy The Sith That's bringing balance to the Force That it's either One thing or the other It's either light or dark Which I don't blame them in thinking that That this is their new hope This is what they've been waiting for All this time, Luke Skywalker And the fact that he does defeat vader and bring about the return of the jedi the return of anakin skywalker and they defeat palpatine by compassion and anakin's compassion and anakin tr- turns out to be the true hero of the story overall with a lot of help from luke i think just like the audience in 1983 no yoda and obi-wan didn't see that coming that's that's still my opinion but th- that's the awesome thing with this show Like we said in the beginning, it makes you look at the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, different. It makes you look at them even more as one cohesive story. Because like we said, this is episode three and a half. And these kind of conversations are the the beautiful things in Star Wars that you can have where no one's right, no one's wrong. It's just how people are interpreting the stories and their opinions. And that's awesome that these movies that we've watched – billions of times that are now 40 years old we can still look at them in new and interesting ways with these stories that pay tribute to them they because you think of like these choices that they all make and again the fact that obi-wan shows compassion for vader and leaves them walks away with vader screaming obi-wan you think of luke in return of the jedi choosing non-violence to win in the end Luke and the Last Jedi choosing nonviolence To win in the end Vader's choice to Yeah, throw Palpatine down the shaft And be a person Named Anakin Skywalker again And not a slave to Palpatine No
0: Go My son Leave me No You're coming with me I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. You already have. Look, you were right. You are right about me. Tell your sister.
1: You are right. The other big theme, I think, going on in this whole series. We talked about it early on when we were doing these recaps. The first lesson we hear what Qui-Gon give to Obi-Wan in the Phantom Menace. Don't center on your anxieties. Keep your concentration on the here and now where it belongs. Yeah, you could have almost called the show, Obi-Wan, don't center on your anxieties. Because really at the beginning of the show, that's. Where Obi-Wan was. He was completely f- focused on his failures with Anakin, his stress over watching over Luke. And he basically had nothing but anxiety. He wasn't looking to the future or the present. And he was, if anything, just focused on his failures in the past. When it's interesting, the two the Qui-Gon says, yeah, keep your concentration on the here and now where it belongs... Because, again, tying into kind of like the choice theme going on in this show, everybody's choices that they make are choices that benefit the future, the future generations. That is such a huge thing in this show that it's what we can do to help the next generation survive and thrive. And you you could say like, okay, we'll keep your concentration on the here and now. Where Luke, Yoda calls him out, you know, all his life as he looked away to the future, to the horizon. And Yoda's almost talking about that like it's a bad thing. But in the end, it's kind of like, well, Luke was kind of right. And that's an okay thing. And that, again, Yoda wasn't absolutely perfect in everything he always said. That's kind of the lesson that goes on, especially in the prequels. Well, it's almost, it's a, a Star Wars balance thing where you need to look ahead to the future to have dreams and goals. But if you're not actually getting stuff done in the present, you're not going to ever get to that future. And finding that balance of actually making things happen, but having the dreams to guide you is where you need to be. And if you look at Obi-Wan Kenobi in the beginning of the show, he was centered on his anxieties, but he was not yeah he was not looking to the future to the horizon at all or if he was he was just focused on Luke but in the wrong way. Well he was worried about the future if anything which was just feeding into his anxiety. And that's the awesome thing at the end of the show when he's talking to Owen and he's like you're right we have to just let him be a boy. Yeah. He says the future will take care of itself. Well and I think that's one of the coolest parts of the episode with all the cool stuff is just the idea at the end of, for the first time in, in six episodes, in six hours, Obi-Wan's future is kind of completely open, and he knows that Luke and Leia are safe, and it's not all on him, and he's finally, like he says to Reva, he's free. And that's what allows him to open his mind and come across an old friend it's a obi-wan has this force connection to luke where he can sense where when luke is in danger from across the galaxy which is awesome but you think of obi-wan's character throughout the prequels the clone wars everything was about the job the mission this weapon is your life he even says to sateen like had you said the word i would have left the jedi order but he didn't you know, He he really cared about Satine, but it was like his duty, his responsibility was always the most important thing of being a Jedi, being Obi-Wan Kenobi the Jedi. And it's almost like he's of like the person who's defined themselves by their job. It reminds me like of Mad Men or something of like Don Draper and like he's just a shell of a person that's defined himself by what he, you know, he puts on this suit and becomes someone, but he's nothing underneath. And it's almost like by the time you get to the end of this show, it's Obi-Wan's got that Last Jedi peace and purpose where he is going off into the desert to work on himself, to become the Alec Guinness version of Obi-Wan, this kind of silly kind of old wizard. Well, and to become more like his master. Right. What that brings us into the next topic, I think, that we've got to talk about the return of Qui-Gon Jinn. it's brief it's quick but it's huge it, it's huge for us you know if you've been listening to the show for, the, for a while you know we love Qui-Gon quite a bit I, I I almost had a heart attack when he came on screen I was like oh! and they've milk it so well because I was literally the I think the scene before where you just like see him on the EOP I was like man there's so much good stuff in this episode but I guess we're gonna have to wait for Qui-Gon maybe if they do season two we'll get Qui-Gon and then they they cut to the you know him going into that cavern and so slowly he fades in to where you think you're hallucinating for a second there it's like oh that's there's just something on my tv <laughs> it it started to form and i saw the rope and i saw the hair and i was like oh god <laughs> oh jesus yeah. and then time slows down and it's like wait a second yeah oh my god there he is we've been waiting we've been waiting to have qui-gon back for so long yeah for for 20 plus years Every new version of Revenge of the Sith had come out. Are they going to add the Qui Gon part back? Are they going to add the Qui Gon part back? No, no. <laughs> that was my, when I think when I called you after the, when I saw the early screening of Revenge of the Sith, I was like, when well, the first I was like, well, Qui Gon, there's no Qui Gon. <laughs> but I, I love when he turns around too, and it's it's like this Carlos Castaneda Don Juan thing where he's like. I was wondering what took you so long. It's this it's the goofy it's the goofy shaman wizard with a smile like making jokes. And I was that took me by surprise at first cuz I think like a lot of us we were expecting him to like drop some heavy knowledge or something or like say something really philosophical and deep or something. But then I just I love that it's just like, "Oh, come on. Let's we've got some learning to do." You know, like uh, like, yes, perfect, perfect. Well, and and it's almost that's where Yoda got it from then, too. It's like Obi-Wan and Yoda were both kind of uptight in in the prequels. And it's like, well, how did they end up, you know, these laid back, chill dudes in the original trilogy? And it's like, it's the ghost of Qui-Gon. Once they started training with him, he was like, you guys got to just to lighten up a little bit here. <laughs> I always kind of wondered if we would physically see... Qui-Gon as a force ghost because when he's talking to Yoda in Clone Wars, he specifically says that his training was incomplete How are you here?
0: I am a manifestation of the force a force
1: that consists of two parts living beings generate the living force which in turn powers the wellspring that is the cosmic force
0: Show yourself Can you? I cannot My
1: training was incomplete. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midi-chlorians.
0: Because of this, I can speak to you now. See the future. You can. I exist where there is no future or past. Know you who the Sith Lord is.
1: I can only show you a place where the answers will be revealed to you. But then there, there was a great talk after those episodes came out with uh, Leland Chee and Dave Filoni at Lucasfilm where they screened a bunch of those episodes and they had like a Q&A with Filoni afterwards where he was talking about Force ghosts and in kind of relating to the whole the Qui-Gon thing.
0: Anakin, when he appears in the Force, is the last moment that he was the good person that he very much wanted to be the good person that we believed in. It doesn't make sense mythologically for him to maintain the guise of the old man afterward in the force because he was never good he was never balanced when he was that person he was the wicked old man so he has to shed that skin like everything else so he appears as a young man yoda doesn't learn directly all those answers either from the priestesses they are basically putting him through a trial to see if he's even worthy of this knowledge and would he abuse the knowledge and somehow pervert the power he still has to learn this uh process from Qui-Gon, which is why he tells Obi-Wan he's communing with Qui-Gon later, Revenge of the Sith. That was another thing we had to hurdle over, which is all that continuity where he tells, I've been talking to Qui-Gon, which is why we put the scene in where Yoda goes to Anakin and says, hey, had you been talking to Qui-Gon on Mortis? And Anakin's like, well, I thought maybe, but Obi-Wan's like, no way. Which is the summary of like, you have to get that Obi-Wan doesn't believe on Mortis. He's not as much a true believer as Anakin was about that whole experience. When you're into this type of stuff it's you can go as long as you talk long enough it sounds like i answered you (laughs) but i love that there's been a progression in
1: qui-gon's training like if qui-gon went to the force priestesses and learned to retain his spirit after death to to become one with the cosmic force but his training was incomplete somewhere in there qui-gon completed his training I like that it still kind of fits in with with uh, my own kind of weird views of the of Force Ghost too, where it's almost like to me it seems like that it's not a a one way power. If anything, Qui Gon's voice was there, and maybe he was able, you know, his spirit was still there, but it's like it took Obi Wan to be ready to see him to be able to see him, and it's not like. Qui-Gon is like Casper and he can just walk up to, he couldn't go up to Owen and start talking to him. It's like not everyone can see the force ghost as much as not everyone can be a force ghost. And I kind of felt like that even with the original trilogy too, where it was like Luke could hear Obi-Wan's voice in a new hope, but it wasn't until Empire and Jedi after Luke was ready that he could actually see them. And that's the whole thing too, that like when it's on Hoth, you must go to the dagobah system it's just like it's not like a full body obi-wan it's just kind of half there and bad yeah like it's a it's a it takes two <laughs> for the two people to be to see a force ghost like you have to be ready to be able to see them and the other person has to be able to be to give themselves up to the to keep to the force when Qui Gon basically says that in the episode, where it's just like, dude, I've always been here. You just couldn't see me. And, it, you know, you could, if you want to agree with my theory that Qui Gon was always helping Obi Wan, even in ways that maybe Obi Wan didn't want to hear. By knowing, like we saw in this episode, by knowing Obi-Wan has to work through this stuff, if he is going to get that peace and purpose, if he's going to progress as a person, he needs to work through his stuff and not run from his problems. And when Obi-Wan is literally buried under rock and the anxiety begins to creep up on him again, it's that hope for a better tomorrow that brings him up out of the rocks and makes him super Obi-Wan ever since attack of the clones. Like that's Qui-Gon's thing, right? Is like, how did we know Qui-Gon's presence? Was there in attack of the clones? There was some like audio, audio montage and, Roar! you know, like Yoda was listening to flashbacks from other movies. And then all through this show, it's like whenever Obi-Wan's hearing, the ghosts of the past kind of a thing. And, and he's, we're hearing clips from other, other episodes and other movies. It's like, that's Qui-Gon reaching out from the force. Like it, it, it makes sense that, yeah, he was there the whole time and just, Obi-Wan wasn't ready to see him. And it's just so cool thinking about now too this, this new peace and purpose, of Obi-Wan learning to become one with the cosmic force, retain his spirit after death, where no matter what happens to Obi-Wan, like, the the whole the anxiety he had in the beginning of this show, it doesn't even matter. Like, okay, Vader, strike me down. I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Flat out tells him to his face. I'm still going to be there for Luke every step of the way. Like, Yoda, too. Like, dude, you can't stop us, you know? And it's the the wonderful thing that uh, you know, like our episode from a couple of years ago. Everything is about the end of Return of the Jedi. This episode makes Anakin's Force ghost showing up at the end even cooler, because then you think like, oh my god! And then Anakin was Qui Gon's student again, going all the way back to little Annie and Qui Gon in the desert on Tatooine, like these this mystical life after death, Qui-Gon taught that to Anakin and that Anakin is learning again how to be an incredible Jedi again. And you think like, oh, with well, the Ahsoka show with Hayden Christensen is going to be in that. Are we going to see more Force Ghost Anakin in that show? And how much more powerful will that be now, having seen Anakin at his absolute lowest in the Kenobi show? Yeah, there's so much that could happen in the other shows now that seems much more like it's going to happen now that we've seen it happen in this one. Because it's like, well, if Qui-Gon is back and and Hayden is back, yeah, why wouldn't we see Anakin Force Ghost? Like, he was in Return of the Jedi. It, it makes sense. We know Luke can see him, and Ahsoka probably can too. This is some good Star Wars, folks. This is, that's it... a... <laughs> That's what we're saying here. This is some heavy-duty, good Star Wars stuff. This is why this show has had a chokehold on us for like the last month, going through a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts. It's it's just some – yeah, it's exactly what it should have been. It's the deep stuff, different flavors. Like we said, the book of Boba Fett, we had – the mods chasing the major Domo through the street. Remember, remember how two guys came out carrying a giant Ralph Macquarie painting of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. And they, and you had these mods on scooters ride through it and you had the fancy biffs in a space rickshaw. We had that. And now we've got this. We've gone from that to Qui-Gon in the desert. It's, you know, and it's all Star Wars. That's the beautiful thing.
0: Skywalker felt it. Ben Kenobi knew it. And Darth Vader feared it. It is the one power that lives within us all. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. The Force is with you. The Force is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars, rated PG, parental guidance suggested.
1: Let's get into it. Let's do what we do. Let's go through this episode. Let's go through the chunky bits. We start out on Tatooine. We got Obi-Wan's fish boss and his new catchphrase, something you want to say? I thought that was the fish boss. I wasn't 100% sure, but I was too lazy to go back and look. But I was like, there's not a lot of people on Tatooine that look like that. So I'm pretty sure that's who that is. Everybody came back. Haja came back and the fish boss came here. Something you want to say? I'm I'm going to get you my water. Reva force slaps the cup out of his hands. She says she's looking for a farmer named Owen. And then we got the Star Destroyer chasing Roken's ship. Just mad shooting at it. The, and and we weren't sure last week, but yes, it looks like it's the right out of Rogue One. A new hope. Star Destroyer. So in case you're, in case you're keeping score. And Roken says that the hyperdrive is shot. And I like there's a brief shot of a person uh, helping a frightened Nickto If you have the time to, to, to pause it in that spot, there's some there's some sweet looking aliens hanging out in that ship. There's like a a wet sea monster head looking guy and this other big giant head looking guy. A lot of lot of giant head people <laughs> in that spaceship. Obi-Wan is talking to to Leia, everyone's scared Leia's like, maybe you should have Lola so you're not so scared it's, So then we cut back to Tatooine and uh, Luke Little Luke and Owen walk into a shop and this guy Howdy, what you need kid? <laughs> uh, right, right out of the Mandalorian There is a weird beard alien with a metal tube through his face yeah, selling stuff. I could have watched Owen and Luke shop for a whole episode, just going from store to store, buying parts for things. <laughs> of stuff that, that speeder parts that Luke broke. I like, assuming that Luke tried to drive a speeder and he broke it, and they got to get parts for the speeder. Howdy, what you need, kid? Putting the camera right on that guy, too. Yeah, they need a new belt for the speeder. Guy comes in. Oh, and there's something you got to know. So Kenobi is leaving. Leia is upset. And I like that in here too, that Kenobi's just like, hey, everybody, I got to peace out. Everybody's mad. And Kenobi's like, hey, 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 like y'all spent 10 years protecting the Jedi. Now I'm returning the favor. Talking about Leia and everyone on that ship, that they are the future. They are what needs to survive. It's the prequel Renaissance. You are the future. <laughs> it's the it's the the prequel generation. You're the future. You're what need to survive. Who cares about the old folks? And then we talked about it before, but we'll talk about it again. It's Baru. We're back. Bon- Bonnie, Bonnie, peace and purpose. So so amazing. Again, I watched this scene, and it it's the genius of George Lucas that he cast. Actors like Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Peace in these roles, all the way back in what, like 2000 or something, like 22 years ago. And the fact that, like, they are incredible 22 years later. This George Lucas, I always think, does not get enough credit for casting. I mean, you look at American Graffiti, obviously, Star Wars. He knows how to find the right actors for the right roles. And case in point, even someone who says hello in Attack of the Clones is incredible 22 years later. So So then we're back in the spaceship. Ben gives Leia the holster. Leia, of course, wants to know why there's not a blaster in it. You're only 10 years old, but you won't always be. The first of many intense... Ewan McGregor close-ups in this episode. And and it, and I think the first of the big hugs. There's a lot of big hugs in this episode too and this and there's a big hug after this scene. Kenobi's looking at his lightsaber, you know, this weapon is your life again and he's trying to reach out to Qui-Gon. I I have to face him whether he dies or if I do. So. And and just as you might be starting to think about, you know, serious Qui-Gon thoughts, We cut back to the Star Destroyer and our old buddy, the Grand Inquisitor, is there. And he's singing us a song about how we must continue our pursuit of the insurgents. I was hoping they would cut to him. (laughs) Hello. It's pretty much though, because he's just like, My lord, we must continue our pursuit of the insurgents. Oh, just standing there looking like a demonoid next to Darth Vader. Like, what are people working on that Star Destroyer think like, Hey, look at the two bosses here. As some what are we doing in this job? How did we end up here? Yeah, there's a there's a eight-foot guy with a freaky black mask, and then there's this guy Looking like Gooly Ghoul singing songs over there. Yeah. I think he's just listening to stuff in headphones. I don't understand. I love, too, that like Vader is like, no, 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 no. Vader's uh, Kenobi is all that matters. Follow that little ship. And like the Grand Inquisitor kind of goes out of focus, but you, he's making like a million faces all at once. Like, hmm.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he's like, I'm sure he's thinking, man, him. No wonder him and Reva were getting along for a little bit there. Neither of them have any focus. But I love in there, too. I, I can't remember if it's before that or after that, too, when Roken is talking to Obi-Wan and he's like, it's not about us. It's about you. And But I love Obi-Wan saying to him, there's not many leaders left and people follow you. Don't stop. Again, looking to the next generation, looking to the future. And I like Roken. What does he say? Like, I'm just getting started. Which makes me think, like, also, like, we're going to get into with Reva. I I hope we see Roken again in something, whether it's a book or a comic or a show or whatever. Because I think there's a lot of potential for his character. And I think it's interesting. And his character literally did just get started. And I think there's a lot there that can be done for future stories. Yeah, it's not like there's not another show coming out in mere weeks and around the same timeline, not to just a few years later. Featuring, yeah, cells that eventually become the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, the Rebels without the Alliance, like we said. Then we kind of have Owen and Beru kind of hiding Luke. I like Luke. I'm not afraid. You know, of course, hearkening back to The Empire Strikes Back. Vader gets in his shuttle. How did you feel about this uh, shuttle landing scene on the mystery planet where the where the duel happens? It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. We're so spoiled with Imperial shuttles these days. I remember years ago, I would get so excited at the the mere thought of Shuttle Tiderium, the Imperial shuttle. And now it's just like, oh, yes, another Imperial shuttle. Oh, that one again. It's still pretty. Look at those wings go down. So pretty. So cool. But. Kenobi lands on the planet and he's got Lola in his pocket. Very sweet little moment. And puts Lola on the dashboard of his ship, which now, when are we going to be able to get a dashboard Lola for our cars? No. The, the, the toy is out. You can put it on your dashboard. So here things begin cutting back and forth really fast. Reva arrives at the homestead. Everything's dark and she's kind of searching around. Vader arrives on the planet. Kenobi's waiting for him. Have you come to destroy me? And yes, Obi-Wan, I will do what I must. Which, again, harkens back to Revenge of the Sith and a line Qui-Gon said, of course, in The Phantom Menace, I will do what I must, Obi-Wan. And we get Obi-Wan gives us the pose. The pose. Another greatest hits, playing the hits. And I, I liked this planet a lot. And it's funny, like, it's just little things like it's really not that different than the construction planet in the third episode, but there's it's just, I don't know, a little bit more sci-fi, which makes my which makes my my heart flutter. And it's there's just like enough stuff on it where it's not busy. It's not like there's a lot going on. There's just a lot of rocks and a lot of rock formations. What was cool to me is it's almost like if you took Mustafar and let all the lava cool. So it's almost like a rematch of the Mustafar duel, but like ten years has passed with the characters, and it's almost like ten years has passed on the planet. And now, what used to be like flowing lava is just crusty old rocks, which is kind of like the characters at this point too. And I really like the the like subtle green color to the fog; just it really made the the lightsaber colors just really really pop out too. Like I don't know, just this whole sequence. Was just really, really good looking, and some of the some of the best looking stuff in the whole series. Reva's at the homestead, and yeah, Owen and Baru from their their secret locations just begin pummeling her with the laser blaster. Like Baru has a blaster, like laser rifle, super cool. The duel is continuing. Pretty neat getting to see the reflection of the lightsabers in Vader's like lenses of the mask. Oh, uh, yeah, that. Is so cool looking, especially like when the, they'll cross sabers and you can see the blue and the red in his eyes. And I think, is this a part where Obi-Wan does like 10, 10 somersaults? <laughs> and Vader just like cold punches him in the face, like Revenge of the Sith style. And then, yeah, he breaks up the ground underneath Kenobi, buries him. And then, of course, yeah, we got the slap hurt around the world. Kenobi, underground, Begins thinking of the future, not centering on his anxieties. Channeling the power of love for the children. Comes flying out like a champion, and he's force pushing. He pushes all the rocks in the whole galaxy onto Vader. (laughs) He's like, I am all the rocks. (laughs) <laughs> but the part when he's got his arms extended and all the rocks in the world lift up behind him. I was just like, yeah, all right, here we go. Okay. It was like Super Masters of Terras Kasi or the uh, there was the Soul Calibur game that had Darth Vader and Yoda in it. It's like, come on, I need a Jedi fighting game now. I've seen all the moves in this. Luke has uh, taken off into the rocks, and Reva is chasing him through the rocks. And then we cut back to the duel, and Kenobi hits Vader's chest plate thing with the hilt of his lightsaber, busts him up, slices his back. Vader is like struggling to breathe, and my like, Obi Wan basically flies in, just oh, and cuts the helmet. Cuts it on the opposite side where Ahsoka cut it. It is like I, if you've listened to, I think in our uh, on Patreon when we did the commentary of uh, the first three episodes, we were talking about I think how the third episode was like wrestling, <laughs> and in in that episode they you know they left the ring and they they took it to the to the backstage of the arena, and and this one it's like they're back in the ring and Obi Wan like jumps off the top rope basically to take because <laughs> he jumps up off that rock the, this whole scene this whole the I'm sorry I am not your failure failure like we talked about like you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker I did and when he says that he's smiling and his eyes go back to the to the Sith eyes yeah this whole part is just like it was cool in Twilight of the Apprentice but to see it with Hayden Christensen's face in the helmet and him like looking like a skeleton face almost. And did you notice like the first half when he still kind of seems like Anakin, he's lit up with the blue light of obi Wan's saber. And then after he says, Anakin is gone. I'm all that remains. When they come back, he's lit up by the red of his lightsaber. Yeah. This whole sequence is so good. And then, yeah. Ewan's face as he apologizes and his eyes are so wet and they're just reflecting the lightsaber while he's like teary eyed apologizing. I don't know. Well, it's, it, it, it reminded me of something you said in one of our episodes earlier, I think in just last week's episode where it's one of the great things about this show and kind of the prequel Renaissance part of it all too, where it, for the first time since Sith really puts Hayden Christensen in the suit and really seeing it, really seeing that mask cut open and seeing Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker, a character that we love, seeing him look like that inside, we feel how Obi-Wan feels in that moment where it's, it's heartbreaking and hearing his voice Anakin's voice coming out but it's still whatever Skywalker sound did whatever wizardry they did with that incredible weird modulation effects of James Earl Jones and Hayden Christensen and when he says Obi-Wan it's full James Earl Jones and it's it's distorted and it's creepy but it's it's heartbreaking and you you feel for Vader the way that Obi-Wan feels in that moment where it's, again, we're reminded of the good person that Anakin Skywalker was in that moment. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. Well, and it's like the scenes like this where it's like, how, how did they ever even think of doing this show and not having Vader in it? It's crazy to think about. And, and it's crazy to think that putting Vader in the show and especially bringing Hayden back was more for this moment. And these emotional moments, than just to have an excuse to have another lightsaber fight between the two of them. And as cool as the lightsaber fight between the two of them is, the fact that it's really just the setup for this payoff to get to see a glimpse of what is left of Anakin Skywalker, which gives you an excuse to see Obi Wan's reaction to it is some of the best stuff that the show does. Is it? It pays off. The action stuff with, like we said, with these character parts, these character moments that are really intense. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, both of those characters are broken in different ways. They're both damaged by what happens in that movie. And we see Vader's choice. We see the return of the Jedi, Anakin Skywalker. But we don't know how obi-wan kenobi works through the traumatic traumatic events of revenge of the sith we didn't see it for until now people saying that this show like didn't need to exist and wasn't a necessary story it's like i don't know what stories they're watching you know what star wars they think they're watching because when obi-wan says to reva like that he's free just like she is this is what he's talking about. He's free from the burden, the, the the guilt that he was putting on himself, that he is the reason Anakin is in the suit. And that's, again, I think that's, this moment is like what Vader is talking about in Return of the Jedi with Obi-Wan once felt as you did. Because in this moment, Obi-Wan is talking to Anakin. In for a brief second there, it's Anakin owning up to what he did and saying this is all my fault like in revenge of the sith what have i done when he's sitting when he's in palpatine's office and he's like i listen i messed up here what have i done and somewhere in anakin skywalker's head that's still there but it's it's so cool the way they do it in the show because you know, he's I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan. I did this to myself. But then after that and he's like, but that's why I'm gonna destroy you. He starts to feel something and the he just covers it up with anger and rage and destruction because that's what all he can do anymore. Well, I was this was just making me think too that it that it's making sense to me kind of when when Obi Wan wanted to come here and confront Vader again, and he says, you know, one of us is going to is gonna die, basically. I think at first I wasn't quite sure why he felt like he needed to kill him or die trying to kill him, but it almost does seem like it was more out of mercy than anger from Obi-Wan, where it's like Obi-Wan felt like Anakin was kind of trapped in this cyborg ex- existence, this kind of purgatory state almost and he felt responsible and like it's almost like he wanted to kill him to put him out of his misery because he feels responsible for him being not dead and being in this like almost worse than dead state but by realizing that it was anakin's choices that kind of put him there he feels like he doesn't need that's where he kind of turns back to for him, mercy is letting him live and not killing him does that make sense it's like again what he says to Owen at the end in terms of Luke let him be a boy the future will take care of itself. It's you could say that he almost maybe feels the same thing about Vader let him be Vader the future will take care of itself. Yeah, that it's not my fault you're in this in this state you're in this suit you're this monster. You you made this bed and now you have to live in it and then that's fine. I'm done. I'm done with you now. I tried. Yeah. Peace and purpose. And we'll just see what happens. And it's not up to me to decide what happens. It's up to the next generation. But why must you confront him?
0: Because there is good in him. I felt it. He won't turn me over to the Emperor. I can save him. I can turn him back to the good side. I have to try.
1: So then... Reva's out there in the rocks with Luke. Luke falls. Kenobi can sense it. Reva is there just looking at his body. She lights up her saber. She sees Luke. Then she sees herself. She makes the decision, makes that choice, that all-important Star Wars choice of nonviolence. Kenobi lands at the homestead. And, of course, Luke, Luke. In comes Reva carrying Luke's body, just like Anakin did with Shmi. This is no. Amazing, wonderful moment with Reva and Obi Wan here outside the homestead. Again, kind of like Roken, now Reva has become this incredible character. She knows like the ultimate Star Wars secret now. You'd think she, she knows who Luke is. She probably figured it out who Leia is. Where she goes next. I think it's fascinating because I feel like her story has just begun. Well, if anything, she's almost like the live action version of Ventress, where she started out as a slightly evil bad person who realizes that there's more to life than that and kind of wants to make amends and kind of leaves that life behind and goes on to do other things. And I think that's exciting to have those... Kind of characters out there And we never really got All those Ventress stories in Clone Wars Because it was kind of right around When Clone Wars ended So it's kind of exciting to maybe get those same Sort of things with uh, Reva in the future And I like, you know, something we've always Talked about with with Anakin And the younglings of, you know Was that too much? Was, you know, whatever But I, I do like the fact That Reva couldn't do it she could not be that person that Anakin was at the Jedi temple. And I like Obi-Wan saying, you've given them peace. You've honored them. The fact that she couldn't do it. Well, and it's revenge is never the answer at, you know, she was a Jedi at one point, And that's the most un-Jedi thing you can do is take revenge on somebody. She made the all important choice. Like we keep talking about over and over again. Well, and it goes back to the first episode of uh, the Inquisitor talking about how Jedi can't not be Jedi. And in the end, Reva could not not be a Jedi and she couldn't take revenge on a on a child because that child's father killed her friends and tried to kill her as a child. I almost hope that whatever the future holds for stories with Reva, it's not books or comics or something, because I think Moses Ingram is incredible. And I think having her part of this universe is so good. And there's just a lot of stories to tell. And I think she's a fascinating character. I mean, what would that be like with if Reva met Ahsoka Tano, what would that be like? Well, if anything, you know, Reva gives an excuse to have more stories with inquisitors without having to have it always be, uh, you know, one of the main, main characters, right? Like there's, there's a whole world of Inquisitors and the stuff, kind of all the side stuff in this with the path and and the people trying to save Jedi. That could be very interesting without having to bring in, you know, Obi-Wan or, or one of the, the, the movie characters. And it seems like at this point, the live action shows are kind of... Doing everything that the animated shows did So I would not be surprised to have Even if there isn't a Reva show If there's another show that Reva could be in Her making an appearance kind of a thing So then we cut to Mustafar and Surprise surprise It's Ian McDermott back again He's back from Batuu after I spit Some some Ronto rap coleslaw In the vicinity of him Talking to Vader A little hologram Palpatine It's Palpatine (laughs) Palpatine. <laughs> Vader is like, I'm going to send out every probe in the world and I'm not going to stop until we find Kenobi. And I love Palpatine. You seem agitated. This part was so good because I was like, well, how are they going to, you know, kind of justify that Vader doesn't keep looking for Obi-Wan? And this is like the the simple solution in a way, the obvious solution, but I think it's the perfect one where it's like, if Palpatine's like, why? yeah, why are you so focused on your past? That's done with. Showing signs of weakness, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Palpatine doesn't care about Obi-Wan or other Jedi. He's He's so far beyond that at this point. Again, it's the thing, too, that it's sad also because it's Vader just, yes, Master. Yes, you know, if Vader is a slave to Palpatine. All Palpatine has to say is, ah, you're getting weak. I don't know if I need you anymore. If you're just thinking about your past and Vader's just like, yep, yep, yep. I'm done. I'm done with the past. It's it's sad, but it's, uh, again, it, and it makes the end of Return of the Jedi just even more powerful or just the original trilogy, Empire and Jedi. By the time Vader finds out that It's his son that blew up the Death Star. That's when he's talking to Palpatine again, and he's just like, no, we're going to focus on finding Skywalker and nothing else. Well, and it's also the, the sad thing, too, of he's the reason he's so obsessed with Kenobi is because deep down he still cares for him. But he can't let himself feel that way anymore. So he has to hate that person and it kind of becomes, yeah, at first the same thing with Luke. It's like, I hate this person. They destroyed the Death Star. But then eventually, you know, he's obsessed with them because he's really has other feelings for the for him, which yeah, that is his weakness, according to Palpatine, because yeah, he still has that little bit of Jedi in him. Oh, there's there's some good stuff in these in these few little scenes and it's like the evil version also of keep your concentration here and now and don't center on your anxieties it's almost it's like the same lesson but it's the evil version of it okay so then we cut to alderon and i love that when we first saw the fake out in the first episode, it was people dressing the fake Leia. But now I like Leia is dressing herself, and she's got the holster, and she's got some gloves, and she's got some cool Obi-Wan boots. Yeah, man, the Kenobi boots. That was that was too much. And then, yeah, the gloves, man. I love Brea coming in, and is that a holster? I love it. And Bail being like, we're going to change things together. It's something we were talking about before we started recording, that you get the sense in this episode that Luke and Leia both come from very loving, supportive supportive families. Maybe it always seemed like in A New Hope that Owen was like holding Luke back, like, harvest is when I need you the most and all that stuff. But this episode really hammered home that they're both coming from places of love. Yeah, and it's like part of the the Skywalker power, and how they're able to do what they do is because they have the power of love and good and good parents. Like you were talking about uh, the the Star Wars sign that lights up when things get really, really Star Wars. That's <laughs> yeah. like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, Kenobi comes to visit. He hugs Bail Organa, which is awesome. And if if you need my help. You know where to find me I love Kenobi saying to Leia like well what do you think I should do next and Leia saying I think you should sleep oh yes I think she looks at the camera and says I think you all need to sleep yeah. <laughs> It's it's been so long since celebration I haven't gotten a good night's sleep in a whole month <laughs> uh, and then Kenobi telling Leia about
0: her parents when I said before that I didn't know your parents. Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother, but you're also passionate and fearless, forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter.
1: If, if last week was a doozy, this is where we get into the heavy-duty doozy parts here. And this is just, it's pure, it's prequel renaissance. Because when Kenobi is describing both of them, it's, it's like we're under the rocks where Kenobi was and we're thinking of Padme and Anakin and all of our favorite moments from the movies, the Clone Wars, whatever, whatever your favorite moments of those characters are. That's what we, the viewer, it's what's going through our heads. And you're just like, yes, it's it's all true. Well, and this episode, man, it goes right from that, right into Little Leia saying, will I ever see you again? And I swear that that part messed me up more than anything. I think because I was not expecting that. But then seeing Little Leia say it it was like, man, prequel prequel love coming out of the screen in all the best ways. The will I ever see you again kind of bringing back into our heads Little Annie, episode one Little Annie, and then going right from that to Obi-Wan packing up all of his stuff and going to the the homestead and there's little luke working on some some something out there on the 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 moisture farm just looking like little annie too this last like 20 minutes of this episode are just like it's like the uh the the engine on the space train in in book of boba fett with the droid like it's on fire. It's all the cylinders are pumping. It's going a million miles an hour with just how much goodness is in the last bits of this episode. And we have this Obi-Wan now who is going to watch Luke from a distance. He feels the connection. He doesn't need to be watching over. He's, like we said, it's this new Obi-Wan of peace and purpose where he can finally better himself, make himself into a better version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we saw really what it sure seems like is the first meeting of Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. They put the hello there in there. So it's like, ah, but when you really think about it, though, it's like how monumental that moment is. It's like that's Obi-Wan Kenobi meeting Luke Skywalker. This is the future. This is... This is where it all begins, right here. It's heavy duty. It's a doozy. And then, you know, you, of course, yeah. And then in the desert, there's smiling, goofy Qui-Gon ghost. Just, hey, Qui-Gon's hair got longer somehow in the afterlife. I don't know. His Yeah, his beard grew while it was lost in the desert before they put it back on. <laughs> his beard is crazy. Did you just, like, his sideburns are longer than the front? He, I've I got some some uh, inspiration for my beard maybe go for the crazy old Qui-Gon look oh this is so so good so good I was like looking at his belt too and it's like all the, the weird prequel stuff on his belt I was just oh.
0: Master Qui-Gon well took you long enough beginning to think you'd never come I was always here, Obi-Wan. You he
1: just were not ready to see you. Come on. You've got a ways to go. But okay, so yeah, this this show, this series, we've mentioned it every time. Deborah Chow. I mean Deborah Chow, like honestly, like Well I was I didn't it didn't really sink until I was thinking about it today too that she did such a good job and you think she made six hours of star Wars in one go. Like no one else has done that. And the fact that it turned out as well as it did considering how much of it there was to do and that, yeah, she directed all six episodes all at the same time, really like it wasn't like she made one and then a year later came back and made another one. So it's pretty impressive. And she was dealing with characters like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Leia, Luke Skywalker, Owen and Beru. like, and new characters, Tala, Roken, Haja, like, just across the board, just hitting the Star Wars notes. And you think of how perfect Leia is across the whole show. There was, the show never gave in to. The fan service cheat moment. I mean, the the only thing is almost like the hello there in the end, but that's fine. But I always think back to how easy it would have been to give three PO and R two a moment in like that first episode, and the fact that you only see them really in the background to kind of not go for the easy kind of oh look fans here is your thing you know wink 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 to really 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 let this show be so character driven. Yeah, because it used. The character of Anakin Skywalker and Hayden Christensen perfectly in every second he was on screen. And it wasn't like a a stunt thing, that stunt casting. Oh, he's back. Look, there he is. It's like, no, he's there because it was a core part of the story. And the story wouldn't have worked for Obi-Wan if Anakin wouldn't have been there. And the fact that it was Hayden was just incredible. And the secret sauce of possibly the last two episodes, right, is Andrew Stanton coming on as a writer for parts five and six who can coming from Pixar did John Carter of Mars. Great movie. I I'm interested in hearing him hopefully in the future with interviews on what he contributed and how he came in. Cause I remember when it was announced that Andrew Stanton was coming in as a writer for five and six of Kenobi. I was like, really? Huh? Yeah. Cause I, I totally, I think I missed all those articles. So just seeing his name in the credits, I was like, Oh, Interesting cuz yeah he's uh he's made some good movies wrapping up it's like we said in the beginning it's it's been a journey it's been a, a Star Wars story experience like no other i think especially for us marathoning it since the end of may of just every week the the kenobi things and I don't know, it's just been a real trip and I'm looking forward to watching the whole series in a row as one giant Star Wars story. Yeah, and it's been exciting to finally get something that's not John Favreau, Dave Filoni Star Wars TV. Not that we have anything against what they're doing, but it's just it's good to just mix it up. Yeah, and then we're going to get a totally different take with the Andor show and then when Mandalorian season three comes back it's going to be even more exciting to get back to the Filoni Favreau thing because it, we will have not have had it for for two different seasons or two different series so it's like yeah, yeah we're we're in the golden age of Star Wars TV where there's just so much variety and we're getting stories that I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that we would be getting I, you know i remember when revenge of the sith was the last movie so the fact that this even exists is just it's incredible well and there's bad batch and there's tales of the jedi coming and who knows what else and there'll be ahsoka and then eventually the acolyte and just so much stuff coming so yeah take vitamins try and get some exercise when you can take a walk outside just breathe some fresh air every once in a while when you can just eat healthy vegetables fruit and vegetables drink lots of water because we've all got to stay as healthy as humanly possible (laughs) listen to little leia and get some sleep she (laughs) was talking to you you might think she wasn't but she was
0: what do you think i should do i think you should sleep And the Force lightsaber, each sold separately. As you move your lightsaber, the sound of the Force moves with you. It can be a powerful friend. That is your first lesson. Learn it well. The Force is my lightsaber. The Force is in all things, even you, my young Jedi. The Force lightsaber and new Yoda puppet, each sold separately from Kenner Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Collection. This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May
1: the Force be with you always.
0: Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
1: Okay, everybody, you know we're saying about apple podcast reviews when you get done listening to this episode we would love it if you would go over there and write something nice about the show leave us a five star review so other people can find blast points when they search on apple for star wars podcast and we really really love reading your reviews all the cool stuff people write We like hearing what you think, what you people think about the show. It makes us really happy. And if you listen on Spotify, leave us a star review over there, too. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of our super chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blastpoints Army on Patreon. Where a couple weeks ago we had our Kenobi commentary for the first three episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So if you need more of us talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, you can hear that. And in a matter of weeks, we're going to have our commentary for episodes four, five, and six. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army, we thank you so, 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 so much for your support. But that about wraps up number 318 here. It's a Jumbo Jambo episode. It's one of those. I I don't think we could have done it any other way. This this, uh, Kenobi part six was a Jumbo Jambo episode. (laughs) So we're taking next week off. So no new show next Tuesday. But we will be back. On July 12th Where for a little while There we're going to be back to Our regular scheduled Craziness where we've got some really Ridiculous episodes planned For the rest of the summer we got some returning friends coming back Attack of the Clones year is finally Going to be coming back and we're doing Some really insane Star Wars topics so look forward To that and we will be back on July 12th But until then, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.
0: May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.